It was a trip through my own writing like no other. It got me really in touch at the sentence level with what I'd written. After two days, my feet actually hurt quite a lot. So what I brought starting on day three were my household slippers, and that made everything much better. I didn't realize how pronounced my New Jersey accent is. I thought that I was accent-free. Wrong. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet author, musician, and professor Warren Zanes, evolutionary biologist Jonathan B. Lossis, and best-selling author and journalist Jancy Dunn. What do Bruce Springsteen, cats, and perimenopause have in common? Tune in to find out. And enjoy. Hi, this is Warren Zanes, author of Deliver Me From Nowhere, The Making of Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. I wrote this book because Nebraska is a record that I've known since it came out, and I had questions that kind of built over time, and I wanted to answer them by taking this immersive approach to the recording itself. I was lucky enough to be able to talk to Bruce Springsteen, to John Landau, other people involved in the project, and really I think it's a fan's dream that propelled this thing. I've got my favorite records, and like any real fan, I want to know everything about them. This one had a special place for me. We don't see too many cultural artifacts, whether it's movies or paintings or recordings, that come from people who are in one of their you know, deepest life transitions, you know, a real kind of bottom. This one's different. I think Springsteen made it when he was in a fair amount of trouble personally and really trying to untangle some things that were making his adult life difficult. You're hearing this voice from the center of all that. I would say that, more than anything, is what compelled me to write this book. Recording audiobooks, it's a very strange process that I find valuable. I remember an earlier book, they hired a reader, and I got the audiobook, and I listened to it, and I thought it sounded nothing like the book that I wrote. So I got into this recording audiobooks process just because I, I wanted to keep that from happening again. But then when I did it, what I found was it was a trip through my own writing like no other. It got me really in touch at the sentence level with what I'd written. In a strange way, it really proved a benefit as I was getting to go out into the world and to talk about that book. I had this really deep connection to what I had produced, and it allowed me to talk more effectively and more honestly about what I'd written. I would say that if I'm proud of anything in recording the audiobook, it's that there's an emotional character to whatever I write, whatever most anyone writes, I would say. And to be able to deliver the emotion part of it, it reminds me a lot of what singer-songwriters face. A lot of times the music is very personal, the lyrics are very personal, and then they need to stand in front of people 
and deliver something that they created in private. And because they were in private, they were especially vulnerable. But then they do it in front of a group of people. And there's something about that act of communication, that transmission of emotion. When it's well done, I think it's a really powerful exchange between human beings. And so I feel like I did the job right here, and I would say I'm proud of that. One of the funny things about recording audiobooks is you run into words that you've written but never spoken. And I see this with some of my students at NYU. It'll be generally the best among the students, and obviously students who have read a lot of books. Some word, they'll say it in this way that is unlike anything you've ever heard. In that moment, you know, oh, that's a big reader and not so much a big speaker. And so for my own part, I have that same experience. The embarrassing part is when it's a friend's name. So I'm not gonna say who it was in this audio book, but somebody I really look up to who I consider a friend and I was pronouncing their last name wrong. You can listen and try and figure it out. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, I would cast the late Jerry Lee Lewis for no other reason than I would just love to see that happen. He's somebody who, I don't care what he's saying, I wanna listen to it. There's a cadence and a kind of texture to his voice that I find is resonant in ways that are both a little terrifying and also beautiful. I'm not entirely sure that I should be saying this as a music writer, but the last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. It reminds me that most of what goes on in my head is there to be left in the garbage disposal. And just like, again, to allude to songwriting, the person who wrote it, if they wrote it on a guitar or piano, you should have them in the recording session because whatever rhythm they wrote the song to, it's gonna be the best rhythm for the recording. And I think when authors read their works, it really comes down to a rhythm and emotion thing. And Eckhart Tolle is really such a fine reader of his own work. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is, you know, without a doubt, in the car. And I'm sure that holds for many people. But I've found that listening with my sons, Lucian and Piero, is particularly rich because you're listening to a book, you're listening to, you know, human speech, but you're also, if someone's with you in the passenger seat, you're watching their reaction as you have your own. So to be able to see someone else absorbing a book in the same real time that you are, there's something special about that. And I feel like I've gotten to know my sons a little better by watching them listen. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. We were sitting in the cramped dressing room at the back of the Rhinoceros Club in Greensboro, North Carolina, a little place on South Green Street across from the Carolina Theater. It was January 17, 1985. Since we were due to go on stage in 10 or 15 minutes, the drinking had picked up. 
I was in my late teens at the time, a kid guitar player in a rock and roll band called the Del Fuegos. The club, about a hundred person capacity, was probably half full. Not bad for a cold night in the Mid-South. Hi, this is Jonathan Lossis, author of The Cat's Meow, How Cats Evolved from the Savannah to Your Sofa. I was inspired to write this book by all the great new discoveries about cats, where they came from, how they were domesticated, why they do what they do. As a scientist and a lover of cats, I wanted to share this information, and I also wanted to tell the stories of the people behind the research, who they are, and why they've devoted their lives to learning more about these wonderful creatures. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, well, I'm going to use two words. Those words would be exhilarating and exhausting. It was great fun to read about the words I've worked on for so long, but it was also really hard work requiring intense concentration to get every word, every sentence correct. When the executive producer talked to me about recording the audiobook, she said one of the jobs of the producer was to correct me when I mispronounced words. I was really offended. I wrote this whole book. I know how to pronounce the words. Well, it turns out I was wrong. I mispronounced lots of words, especially words that were from foreign languages, but even some words in English. For example, the word christened, I thought was christened. Now I know better. Or more technically, the word pantherine, which refers to something like a panther, I thought was pantherine. So now I know that as well. But probably the most important word I mispronounced was the nickname for a type of cat called the Norwegian forest cat. It is commonly referred to with the nickname spelled W-E-G-I-E. Now, I always thought that was wedgie, which sounds nice and warm and fuzzy. It turns out, however, that the correct pronunciation is Ouija, which I now know and which we got correct in the book. The book is full of great stories about cats, and I love telling them, and I can't wait for people to hear them, telling about how cats live in groups like lion prides, talking about cat mummies and Viking cats, and various stories like that. Probably my favorite section is the section on kitty cameras, the cameras that cats wear around their necks so we can get a catocentric view of what they're doing when they're out and about. It turns out they do all kinds of crazy things, and these cameras let us see what they're up to. If you had to record this book again, what would you bring into the studio with you that you didn't have this time? People told me to bring mouth spray and lozenges and so on for my throat, but that didn't turn out to be a problem. The problem I had is that the chair that I'm sitting on is quite high, and it has a horizontal bar that you can rest your feet on. And as I'm talking, I'm leaning forward into the microphone putting my weight on my feet on this metal bar. And after two days, my feet actually hurt quite a lot. So what I brought starting on day three were my household slippers, which are much more comfortable, and that made everything much better. Who is your dream narrator, living or dead, if you hadn't done it yourself, besides James Earl Jones and Meryl Streep? Well, that one's easy. Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you listen to audiobooks, what was the last great one you listened to? Well, it's an oldie and a goodie, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
I'm one of those people who listens to audiobooks as I drive, especially on long trips. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. It's a good thing cats aren't the size of large dogs, says an old joke, because if they were, they'd eat their owners. As a cat-loving scientist, my first reaction was to laugh, quickly followed by the thought, how can I research this idea? Sadly, even science has its limits. Until we're able to produce 75-pound house cats, we'll never get a definitive answer. That's not to say that science is entirely silent on the question. A 2014 research paper was widely reported to conclude that cats would kill you if they were bigger. Hi, this is Jancy Dunn, author of Hot and Bothered, What No One Tells You About Menopause and How to Feel Like Yourself Again. I wrote my book because I was going through perimenopause and I didn't know that that was happening to my body and brain. I'm a health journalist, and I didn't know. And I thought, huh, if I don't know, then I would imagine a lot of other people don't know as well. It hits you in your mid-40s, and you are not thinking about menopause, usually. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be excruciating. That has nothing to do with the wonderful production team and everything to do with listening to the playback of my voice. Oh, I didn't realize how pronounced my New Jersey accent is. I thought that I was accent-free. Wrong. Also, how nasal my voice is. Nobody likes hearing the sound of their own voice. I am no exception. My favorite section to record was when I had to repeat the words of anyone that I cared about. I quoted a number of people in the book, including my mom and my two sisters and my best friend. So when I got to quote them, I realized that I was smiling, hands down my favorite. I prepared for the audiobook recording by eating an enormous breakfast because I'm very afraid of not being able to eat at all times and getting a decent sleep because my voice ends up getting hoarse if I don't get a significant amount of sleep. You can hear it now. I'm at the end of recording, and I definitely have a throaty feel that maybe isn't so sexy sounding and just sounds like adenoids. If I had to record again, I would bring a keg of hot tea with me into the studio just to keep the old vocal cords supple. (laughs) I really was getting hot flashes here in the studio, so I would bring a fan with me and fan myself. I'm, I'm on brand. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Dolly Parton to do the job. I interviewed her once for Rolling Stone when I was working there, and She has a beautiful singing voice and also a beautiful speaking voice. You could just hear her speak about anything, even, you know, menopause drugs. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a bunch of different drugs that can help various symptoms of menopause. Among them, desphenlafaxine, 
which is a non-hormonal medication for hot flashes prescribed off-label. I must have said that 75 times. And you take a piece of paper and you write things out phonetically, and I, I still couldn't do it. So some of the really mouthful drugs. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. In the summer of my 45th year, I suddenly found myself lurching awake at 3 a.m. with the sort of instant alertness that meant hours of sleeplessness lay ahead. Staring into the darkness, I would attempt all the soothing, borderline monotonous mind tricks I'd recommended as a longtime health writer. Progressive stretching exercises, reciting state capitals, planning weekly meals. None worked. In the daytime, I stumbled around, fuzzy and fatigued, trying to keep pace with my toddler. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.